Yeah, there it is. When that robot voice comes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you have chosen to tune in to LC. Just under the wire, especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks. Use this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Hey, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness. Because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you. Their generosity, their support, their commitment to making sure this show keeps going is the reason we get to keep making these. Uh, But I got good news for them. They get cool stuff in return, including ad-free versions of the show. They get video versions of the show on demand. They get bonus content in the form of Feeling This, the show about the feelings inside, around, through video games. Two full seasons of that show available exclusively to patrons at any level. Plus, you get... The audio version, the podcast version of the DLC Book Club, talking about the Malazan Books of the Fallen. Great fun, super cool crew talking about games there. Also, you get our Wednesday bonus show, which has become uh, much more interactive of late, where patrons get to decide what we're talking about. We're reading questions from patrons. It's tons of fun over at patreon.com slash DLC pod. But this show, The main show, DLC, it's the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy whose jack-o'-lantern this year just says, too many games. games. It's Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Beard crew. Beard crew, we all have beard. It's not cold here, but we still have beard. Man, I'm ready. I am ready for a week when we get to just have a regular low-key show. And Jeff, this week's not that week. It's still not it's No, still not tons of week. stuff to talk about. Tons of stuff to get to. Tons of games. Uh, the parade of huge releases continues. We're going to tap in on all that. Hey, the good news for you listening, ladies and gentlemen is we have an awesome guest. One of our favorites is back with us. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week, oh, I'm so excited because once again, DLC stands for driving lots of content because we have God-tier streamer, content creator, and our friend, Tim Trixler Frazier is back with us. Hey, Tim, how are you? What's up, Jeff? What's up, Christian? My gosh, I love being on the show. Every time you send me an invite, my Twitter DM lights up. I'm like, yes, it's it. This is the time. This is the moment. And we got so much stuff to talk about. It's been a crazy month in games. More games coming out in the future, but I'm just glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Let's hop in. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. I know that you are excited to talk about spooky games in particular because it's spooky season. So we're going to get to that in our... uh, in our uh, playlist section, but we got tons of news. So let's start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. 
Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send us other stuff like notes of delight, joy, who, who, who knows? Questions, comments, whatever you like. We love hearing from you. DLCfeedback at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us and be part of the community by going to our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com, or even better, hanging out in the Discord with the fun folks over at 5x5dlc on Discord. Lots of great stuff happening over there. Great community, by the way. You guys Thank are, you. They're, they're so helpful over there. I've been over there a few times myself. Trixler hangs out. He's cool. Uh, and it is, uh, you know, since you're our guest, it is your first pick of stories. So what would you consider to Do be? Do you mind if I bring up mine, the one that I, uh, I brought no, up? Please, no, that's okay. your prerogative. Do awesome, sweet. So I'm actually really curious about your guys' feedback on this. Force Gaming, who is a YouTuber that I enjoy, he focuses on a lot of MMO content uh, and game reviews in general, did a 20-minute video recently talking about the 1 to 10 system that we rate a lot of our games and how it's kind of impacting gaming in general, how everything is super rushed. I think the main catalyst for this conversation started with starfield uh because it got a lot of positive reviews coming out and then i think a lot of people kind of think that hey it's a fallout game in space right um the question to you guys that i wanted to ask is do you think that reviews are being rushed too quickly for us to get a full evaluation of how games play and how they feel to give it a fair review to the customers so they can buy them this is a big topic, obviously not a new topic, something that the yeah. industry has been wrestling with for a long, long time. I did watch this video you, you, as you uh, shared it with us. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, Force Gaming brings up some interesting points. Sure. I, you know, it, this is a, a big topic, not just important yeah, topic, we, but like we, a big, like vast topic. No, because... we're going to solve it. We're... Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> that's, what, that's why I came to you guys with this. <laughs> that's what we do around here. We just, uh, you know. Give us those big issues. Whatever we'll, we need. We'll, we'll watch them, we'll read them, and then in a two minutes conversation, we'll fix it. No Politics, <laughs> culture, whatever we need. We, we'll solve it right here. Um, no, the, uh, I, it, it makes me think, like, what are the, what are reviews yeah. for? Right. Whom are they for? I would submit that most of the people searching for a review of Starfield or Spider-Man 2 or sure. a lot of these big games that come out already know if they're going to buy it. Yeah. They already know. They want to have the opinion that they've already decided on confirmed for them. It's validation. It, it is a very right? – what's that? Validation, right? They yes. want – it's a pie. strange thing, in my opinion, the the entire uh, game review industrial complex. Um, I mean, obviously, we dip our toes in that same pool. We have never uh, given a numbered uh, review score to anything mm -hmm. here on DLC. In fact, I haven't given a numbered review score on a game since 1996, Trixler. Oh my gosh. When I was writing for the newspaper and uh, reviewing video games with numbered scores. Do you remember off the top of your head? What was the review in the number? Oh, I mean, I, I dozens and dozens and dozens of games. I gave, uh, I gave, I, I know I gave a 10 to uh, a Street Fighter 2 on the uh, Super Nintendo. Good I know game. I, I, know I gave a 10 to Commander Keen. 
<laughs> in the pocket of big Capcom. Look at this guy. It's selling out. It was man. just so I could maintain my sick access to literally <laughs> buying my own games on uh, at uh, at Babbage's. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> the uh, so we've never. I, I don't really particularly like uh, numbers uh, on reviews. I don't. I really dislike Metacritic as a thing. Sure. Um, but I'm curious what uh, you're not somebody that typically does reviews right actually i'm starting to get into that space oh, and that's why okay. this is such an interesting conversation to me i recently played sea of stars and i wanted to like play it all the way through you know go from the start to the end because lately actually when it comes to video games i'm really annoyed with the first two to three hours being perfectly done right like because when you buy games nowadays you can review them if you don't like them in the first two hours so a lot of games are gosh darn perfect and then they start to fall off towards the mid to late game and they seem kind of pushed through just to finish it and i really hate that so i want to capture that in my reviews if i do that um but the problem with it with a lot of youtubers or anyone that's in our space uh is if you're not hot off the press when it releases day one you lose out a lot of views right which is for us ad monetization revenue etc so it is like a really weird conversation. I'm trying to figure out what the best bet is. And for me, I think the slow approach is I play out the game. I put out my review two weeks later, if it's two weeks late, whatever. And then hopefully I gain um, a lot of uh, credit with the people that do care about my reviews. But like, should I be going the other route? Should we just be doing a weird system of like, hey, buy this game or wait on this game or this game isn't worth your money type of reviews? It's a really interesting conversation that I don't know where to go with. Yeah. I mean, just to sort of complete my thought before I pitch it over to Christian, uh, you know, I like I said, I don't really know who, who numbered reviews are for. I I have believed and continue to believe that the fun around discussing games as they come out, as we do yeah. here on DLC, is to have a conversation. Like, what's the conversation? What did I like? What did I not like? You know, the meat of a review, I think, is can be valuable and interesting. And more more to the point, I really value highlighting games that people might not be aware of making I you, agree. you know, yeah. showing, yeah, showing game, but, but the conversation around the big, huge game that I think nine times out of 10, nine out of 10, <laughs> nine <laughs> times out of 10 people will already know whether they are in on this game or not. It, I think very few of the big, huge AAA game releases, someone is turning it, tuning to a, a review to go, am I going to buy this or not? Sometimes you can be informed on your purchasing decision based on, oh, is the game not ready to come out? Is it broken in some way? Is, is it a huge disappointment? Like if there are big things, you know, like a, the Cyberpunk 2077, which, you know, side note, still sold huge copies when it released because people already decided whether they were going to buy it or not. But when sure. it came out with these terrible reviews, I think that was useful to a lot of people in the sense of like, oh, my gosh what we expected of this game didn't really come through and what, you know, what there's a lot of things that are broken and don't really work well. I think those are useful, useful purchasing decision informing things to find out. But for the most part, like it, it's more about, in my opinion, having the conversation, be involved in the conversation. What did I like? What did I didn't like? It's not really like, Oh, this is a seven because those numbers mean nothing. Yeah, there's they too many genres. Nothing. They're arbitrary. It's such a weird thing. And then people dig in their heels and fight over it. It's like, what's the point? But Christian, I will throw it to you because I know you have opinions on that. Yeah, as well, I want to hear but, Christian. But also, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I mean, we 
I guess we can hear Krishna. Let's I like not, his brain. <laughs> let's not get too excited about Krishna. Um, but I, I, I specifically, you know, one of the topics we haven't yet touched on from this video from Force Gaming is he's also speaking about this rush, the, the way in which reviews have to happen and yeah. the rush of, oh, I got a code and in, you know, three, four days, the, the game is going to come out and we got to have a timely review of it that encompasses the entire breadth of these massive lengthy experiences uh so christian i'm I'm curious what you know we we were fortunate to get uh spider-man 2 uh early and i should what can i come over <laughs> yeah come on over oh my gosh uh, i should note that um you know this episode you probably some people probably noticed is uh coming out a, a little later than normal uh, one one day later and next week's will as well because we are going to wait for the spider-man 2 embargo cool uh, but we actually have had that game quite a while and that's pretty rare uh, oftentimes when we get games early there there's not a lot of lead time there so teeing it up to you christian however you'd like to take this next week's show is going to be a little late because of an embargo this week's show is a little late because of a once in a lifetime football season. So like both equal. Yeah. I mean, I, let's be honest. Uh, watching the both. Niners crush the Cowboys last night it was, was more important than recording the show to me. I'll be honest. Both, yeah, I'm not going to both couch it in any kind of no, yeah, other no, way. Both worth it. Both worth it. Unless you end up losing the Super Bowl to Eli Manning. Somehow that happens again. And you have a perfect, <laughs> in the booth as he's talking a, to his brother. Some way he'll find a way just like he did with Tom Brady. That Eli. Um, so... Again, we are going to solve this right now. And I think it is worthy of being story of the week and newsworthy as it continues to come up because I think the conversation always kind of veers and shifts a little bit. And Jeff, I forget if it was on a Wednesday show or not, but we talked about kind of the shift of um, access and the relationship between folks who give their opinions professionally and the companies who make the art professionally and, and kind of what that, you know, you mentioned writing a review for a newspaper and, and now how that economy has changed. And to me, I think a large part of this problem really isn't to do with the creator creating the review or the company making the art I think a lot of it falls on the, what, not a good person, but Louis C.K. coined a term probably 10 years ago now of the click-based economy. Sure, and yeah. I think the root of this issue isn't necessarily the reviewer or the game company, but it's the desire, it's the means in which you're able to monetize your opinion and trying to abide by the YouTube algorithm or the Google SEO, or you're seeing these, you know, SEO farm video game enthusiast websites launch. Now you're seeing AI websites launch. We've talked about it as story of the week on this show before about how some of those made up stories, AI then scrapes and turns into a real story on some of these garbage websites and start getting traction because it is just a race to get ad dollars. And so people will do whatever's required oftentimes to make a living and justify it by saying they need to do it because that's how the game is won. And because everyone's doing it, you have to do it. And it creates a snake that eats its own tail in a race to the bottom. Um, and and I, we get in this world that is full of hate, anger, 
gotcha headlines first because you want to be first to get all the clicks even though you haven't formed a full opinion on it misrepresenting how much time you spent with something because you want to have the air of credibility when you actually haven't and trying to do all of these things to get money and i think like many things in life that's the root of the problem (laughs) yeah all right and and so would it be better if folks had more time with games sure but i also know that there have been games that are given plenty early and people still don't spend a hundred hours with it because they have other things to do in their life you know oh i got this game four weeks early great does that mean i'm going to spend all four weeks playing the game for a lot of folks no they're still only going to play that couple of hours write up their thing move on to the next thing and take their dog to the vet you know because life is busy um so I, I think a, a large part, if not the bulk of the problem, is the people feeling like they need to be first to do something or have a hot take in order to make the money and stay ahead of the curve. Yeah, like everything, it's the incentives. The incentives yeah. are are built uh, to create behavior that is problematic. And I think that's that's what happens across a lot of th- – I mean the, the incentives in, in you know mainstream news are all messed up. And it all comes down to advertising, right? It's like – got to have eyeballs to get advertising dollars to be sustainable and it, which is one of the reasons why we are so fortunate here on DLC to be Patreon supported to be directly supported yes we do have ads they are not how we make our living anymore uh and and, and you know i would argue that even when we were making our living from ads we were, <laughs> there wasn't our incentives weren't really there uh it, it's but it is wonderful I, I to have a direct my living is how I make my living. Is that? <laughs> I said I married my living. You married your living. Yeah. Our incentives are keeping our wives happy <laughs> who are supporting us. Um, <laughs> uh, and I'm not really even very good at that. So I don't know. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Jeff has a husband. Four out of ten. Yeah. Oh, no. She she definitely. And she spent hundreds of hours. Let me just tell you. It's she not for lack now. of playing, if you know what I mean. Um, but also, you know, I don't. Like I said, our approach here is a little different because I think we, you know, we, we just, we're about having the conversation. And if the conversation means we've only played a couple of hours of something, we talk about the first couple of hours of the thing. We'd love to have robust, deep conversations on every game and we strive for that, but it's not realistic. But I, I've never, I think this idea of having an objective review for a video game is, is, I don't know. I don't know how useful it is, quite frank. Maybe people will disagree, but. I think that's kind of where I've landed on this whole entire conversation is find a few people in your social circles, whether it be streamers, whether it be people you're, that your friends that are playing games or like for you guys, like I follow uh, your social medias or I come to the show and I hear you guys talk about a game. And I usually give it a try at that point because I've earned trust with you guys. And I think trust is the best currency, but that takes forever to build with an audience. Like You can screw that up with like a bad review here and there. So. I don't know. It's kind of a hard one, but social circles for sure. I mean, this is something I've, I've been saying recently on on my other podcast, the film cast, we got into a kind of a, you know, heated debate about similar topic uh, in the film space. But I have often believed that literally the only thing I have, the only thing I have is the trust of the audience. That's all I've got. And so I protect my opinion very strongly. I, I, I try to be honest about what I think. And uh, that is all I've got to, to, that's the only thing that people care about with me, right? That's all I've got to sell. Is and your amazing hair. Incredible, yeah, I was going to say, and an yeah. incredible beard. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, you've got. But so you've got... few of the people even watch the video version, guys. <laughs> <laughs> They're missing now. <laughs>
Uh, all right. Well, this uh, it's a really interesting topic, and and people should check out this video. Like I said, you know, this is a a you know a perennial idea that it 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 is it doesn't seem to be going away because I think people still invest their hearts and minds into this number. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people probably scroll to the bottom of a review and read the number first. So I, I don't know how to solve that. And certainly Metacritic hasn't helped. And uh, even Force Gaming brings up in the video, like a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of incentives for developers internally from publishers to developers are built around those ratings, the score, the aggregate score, which is just like asinine in my opinion. I, it's, it's such a weird, like I said, the incentives are wrong. Um, so I don't know how we, how we fix it. Well, I appreciate you guys in on it. I, I had some similar thoughts, so it's cool to hear it from you guys and all that fun stuff. So I won't take any more of your time. Let's let's no, do another one. We're here to take time, Christian Spicer. What is your story of the week? Well, uh, I don't particularly like the headline of the video version I'm showing uh, for this story, but um, it says "The Last of Us Part Two, a game that doesn't need a PS5 remaster, appears to be getting one," uh, which is you know it, it kind of plays into our idea of a click-based economy of a, a little snarky snarky headline to get the click clicks but the story would be that last of us part two per linkedin um whoopsieing maybe we'll call it uh linkedin job posting um a person who allegedly worked on a last of us part two remaster posted that they had worked on it which had got the internet buzzing about a remaster for last of us part two coming and, and perhaps coming soon and what i find interesting about this story is you know one okay disclaimer disclaimer i love the last of us i hosted their official podcast i have friends over at the studio i'm a big fan of naughty dog's work when i first read this i was like yeah of course of of course of of course they're going to do this it makes total sense for them to do this and then i thought more about it and my of course only became bigger because from the modern era of Naughty Dog, you know, going back to Uncharted 1, I'm pretty sure they've remastered every single game they've made. I think every Uncharted... This quickly, un- though? This is really quick. Is it? Is it? it came out, what, 2018? Last of Us 2? No, it was way after that. Uh, I'll look at it up real quick. It was pandemic. 2020. It was 2020. pandemic. Yeah. So it's not out yet. So it hasn't... It's not out yet. So let's say it's a 2024 release four years that's well, i think that's a the per- that's a whole the- high school that's a whole high school <laughs> <laughs> you played the you, you couldn't play it because you were in middle school when it came out and now you get to play the remastered version when you're in college that's a long time <laughs> uh fair time. i guess yeah I, I mean i think the, i think the more pertinent <laughs> bit of information is that it was a cross-gen release right ps4 and ps5 this remaster no, was, would be it wasn't a ps5 release well it had a ps5 it, they released it had an upscaling yes. yeah they they released like a, a performance patch but it like i'm looking at my box it is a you know ps4 okay PS4 so P, you're right so it, it, it fair so it was a last gen game put it out on this gen i think that seems fair it just it just feels very uh, recent that this game came out. And I also, I think for me, the, the 
deciding factor as to whether I'm excited about a remaster or not is if there is going to be a significant increase in visual fidelity or, you know, some, some kind of added benefit. We don't yet know any information about what this might entail, like how much PS5-ing will imp- improve this game. Sure. I suspect it will be minimal, though. For me, the only W here is if it comes to PC. But the only issue I'm with sure that... sure it will. Yeah, it yeah. will. It and I'm assuming will. that's part of the remaster, is like trying to get to PC. The only issue for that is like all of the remasters and PC ports from the PlayStation games have been kind of a miss for me. A lot of the ports have failed on their releases because they have stuttering issues, frame rate issues, due to how the PS5 um, builds out games and textures, right? It has that field of view triangle thing that you can spin around, and that doesn't work when it comes to the graphics card and CPU on PC, and you have a lot of issues, especially when streaming it. Well, the um, Spider-Mans, so my, I thought, were pretty... I didn't even stream Did they turn out pretty so. well? Okay. Yeah, I would argue that the, the Miles Morales and Spy, the original Spider-Man on PC are incredible, Sure, and I also would say Ratchet and Clank on PC was pretty great. And God of War, I think it was God of War, Last yeah. of Us Part One was again love the studio was Last of Us Part One was horrendous. Okay, oh, that Horizon, was the one that I was really struggled with. Horizon was also a miss, I thought initially. Yeah. They patched it to they fixed it up it finally. But so Horizon and and Last of Us on PC, I think were the misses. But they've had more hits than misses, in my opinion. Okay, well, as long as they get the win, then I'm happy. I just hate buying these day one games and waiting seven, eight patches. Like, I'm still waiting on Star Wars Today uh, Survivor to be fully flexed out so I can stream it. Like, it's Mm. just some of these PC ports need to be cleaned up a little bit better before they're released. If they do that, then sure, then I'm happy with this. But other than that, yeah, I think it's too soon. So, Christian, defend, I mean, I guess your defense is it's not too soon. But, like, what what do you expect to be, it feels like, any kind of upgrade to the PS5 is not going to be a eye-popping, oh my gosh, I need to play this again because look at how much better it looks thing. I mean, I, I think Ghost of Tsushima, which I know got a patch and then a PS5 version, I think is a, a good game to point to for a game that its definitive version, I think, is now that PS5 version of the game. Same with Spider-Man, um, the first Spider-Man uh, when they did the PC and PS5 Complete Edition, I think they called it. Um, it was a very good game on on PS4. And when I was playing it, I was never like, I this couldn't have yeah. come out this gen. And I oh, think I, The Last of Us I think you're two, right. I mean, I think higher frame rate, faster load times, right? But and, beyond that, I don't know. Based what, on this LinkedIn profile post, uh, high res, better textures <laughs> and, and better <laughs> environments and perhaps more enemy density. You know, I could imagine some of those encounters being more terrifying in a good way if there's a higher enemy count and perhaps a tweak in the AI that's able to happen. Um, faster loads. There weren't a lot of loads in the game, but, you know, that's an area where I think it can can be cleaned up. I think for a lot of people, I think the reason it might feel like this is too soon is that we went from The Last of Us in, was that 2012? 2013? 2012. 2012-2013. And there's just been a lot of it now. There's a lot of The Last of Us. There are many of us. There are tons of us. Um, (laughs) And I think it's all been excellent. I mean, I loved the comic. I think the HBO show was great, but we had the Last of Us originally. Then we it got a PS4 remaster, also in a pretty quick turnaround. Then there was uh, Part Two, and then Last of Us Part One remaster again, and then the HBO show. And I think I'm speculating that kind of a lot of the knee jerk reaction to this 
is that The Last of Us has become, you know, Game of Thrones season four. And yes, it's excellent, but Robert, shut up. You know, like I get it. <laughs> yeah. calm down. It's, it's, it's a very a little, good show. Last of Us fatigue. Yeah, but, but perhaps. Leave me alone. I think there's a lot. It's Halloween Horror Nights. Like there's a lot of it right now. I feel like in this culture, and I think that might be people being like, "Really? I swear I just played it." Oh no, I watched the HBO show. <laughs> That's what I just did. I think that probably is part of it. I I suspect, at least from my perspective, the tacit agreement that we come into with remakes and remasters is, "Hey, we were, we were." technology hindered in our original conception of this. And yeah. here the technology has progressed so much that here is a new version of this old game that is letting you look at it with new eyes. I don't think that's the case with this. I think, yeah. Uh, hey, is it going to be better than the PS4 version? Undoubtedly, right? In very minor ways, it will be the definitive edition of this game but that's because it can be slightly better. It's not going to be a, wow, look at that. I, I just think um, it feels a little bit like these kind of tiny incremental uh, upgrades don't justify a new version this fast, especially when it's backwards compatible and you can play it still on your new. It's not like, oh, I got a PS5. I can't play this old game anymore. I, I just feel like it, it. the perception is this is to resell me the same thing slightly better rather than, oh my gosh, I get to re-experience this game in a new way. I don't think it's going to give you a new way to re-experience it, but maybe that's me being cynical. Yeah, I think I'd pass on it, but that's okay if it's there, you know? Again, we don't know all the information. Maybe it'll have something we can't anticipate that it makes it, uh, you know, even better, but. Uh, and we, to be even more clear, we don't know this is actually happening, <laughs> but it seems pretty, uh, it seems like it, it indi- indications are it, it will happen. I mean, again, every, every game that they've done has had <laughs> yeah. at well, least one release. So I feel I like that's there's a, a good, a thing. good chance. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, all I right. own them all. So I clearly think it is. <laughs> yeah, <we're pushing> <laughs> they were like, you know what? We need 70 more dollars. How can we do it? What if we spend a couple of mil to make a remaster? We know Christian will buy it. Let's do it. Green light it. Let's go. <laughs> they're, not, they're not called well-behaved dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, all right. Man, you guys left me so many stories. I don't know which one to pick. I, here's what I want to talk about. Uh, I, you know, a game that we, we talked about review scores. We talked about, uh, you know, <laughs> things changing over time. Let's do a, a story that sits in the Venn diagram of those. Uh, Redfall, a game that did meet uh, pretty horrendous reviews on its release. In fact, I would argue uh, unfairly horrendous. I don't think the game is as garbage as one might be led to believe reading the reviews. Uh, I did not love it. I did not play it to completion. I, I abandoned it pretty quickly. So I also didn't love it. But I also don't think it's as terrible as all that. It, it wasn't. You know, the idea that Redfall was somehow this awful, awful thing is, uh, I think, a bit overblown. That Redfall said, killed my grandma. I'm just going to put that out there. Well, she was <laughs> oh. a vampire. Let's be fair. Condolences? <laughs> <laughs> kind of their job. Kind of their job in Redfall. I still uh, gave it a 9 out of 10. But, yeah, I mean, no, yeah, you didn't care it was for an efficient. Her. Yeah. Her candy was so hard. Uh, also, she tried to suck your blood, which, you know. Try, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway beating that to the to death um 
Redfall has been updated finally to uh, offer up some uh, of the things that people expected on, upon its release, namely a, a 60 frames per second mode on uh, the Xbox Series uh, X and S, um, which I think it will go a long way in making the game feel a lot better and, and really what people expected. Uh, interesting to see that Arcane and Bethesda are still working on that game, still, you know, a, a game that I think everybody admitted was a disappointment even you know phil spencer came out and was like eh, not great um but it's great to see them still working on these patches still bringing these features that people expected uh, out uh, including a bunch of other sort of deeper um granular gameplay improvements and we have just seen trixler we have just seen cyberpunk 2077 the other poster child for massive disappointment at launch yeah. Be redeemed, uh, as is. has happened to a number of games over time. I would think of Fallout 76 is uh, uh, an example of this. Uh, I think we can, um, uh, No Man's Sky is a great example of this. Sure. There's, there's a number of examples. Do you, A, do you have hope that that will be the case for Redfall? Do you see a path forward for Redfall, uh, Redfall's redemption? And B, is this is this sort of the new normal for video games? Should we... I mean, I think this reflects back on our uh, review score discussion. Is the review of the game at launch the last word, or sh should it be? Sh should we maybe rethink how we even uh, appreciate these sort of evolving products? Yeah, is a re-review in order for these kind of things? <laughs> That's kind of the question. Because this actually happened to Heroes of the Storm going back to, like, back in the day. It came out at 6.5. That was an early access. It got a review too early. Uh, and then later on, it became better, and that became a meme, right? And now it's a meme that the entire uh, community talks <laughs> yeah. about all the time. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it stamps everything. Like, you mentioned hot, so people to say 6.5, right? This can be a positive if you constantly work towards it. Um, and with CD Project Red, right, when it comes to cyberpunk, now there's nothing but positive social buzz. I think if you hit the bottom of the barrel and you keep working towards it, you can only go up. And if the court of public opinion changes, that's a win for everybody. Um, so I could see Redfall uh doing well in the future the only issue for redfall is it had such a horrible release i didn't even touch it right but that also extended to all my co-op friends all the co-op games that i play with people they won't even mention it as a game so this is like something now where i can go oh i've heard it's good now do you guys want to try it uh which is like a way for content creators to suddenly jump on it which is another way to trickle down and let other people know it's great um but when it comes to co-op games like there's so many options like dark tide is constantly being worked on it just got a new major update alien fire team was a great one as well you can still play left for dead 2 for cheap days and that game is incredible um so i i think just working hard and continuing to patch these things and just get buzz around it is a good way to slowly leak it into people's uh, i guess backlog of games to try out right like i have no idea what red ball is even about i've just heard the negative reviews and now that it's been mentioned that it's been worked on. I kind of do want to try it out. I want to give it a chance. Still, still there on Game Pass. If you're a Game Pass subscriber, you know, a great um, deal. Yeah, uh, Christian Spicer. Same questions to you. I mean, do you think that Redfall can be in one of these? You know, in in two years, we're going to be talking about how people, you know, gave Redfall another chance, and now it's this, you know, this kind of darling of of streamers. Do you think that's a possibility for this game? And do you think that's a net positive for the industry? If you had asked me those questions, Jeff, prior to me playing Phantom Liberty, I would say just leave Redfall alone. Put it out to pasture. Like, it's perfectly fine. I think I said in our discussion about it that 
it's a very competent mediocre shooter or something like that like it it does the things but no part about <laughs> it is like cromulent game that has some <laughs> mental hurdles right there <laughs> but i'm with you <laughs> it, you know it, it it does the things but nothing about it is exemplary where you're like this is finally another game rivals destiny 2's gunplay or finally it has atmosphere that rivals uh, control or whatever you write like put these things into it it was it was fine um but it was lacking and if you had asked me about redfall again prior to phantom liberty coming out i'd be like yeah it's, it's you can't there's no there's not they're not going to save it i thought cyberpunk 2077 while i continue to go back to it because of technological improvements i found the core gameplay loop and kind of story to be lacking and then phantom liberty came out and i've totally changed my tune well the game has totally changed its tune and i think it's fantastic so i think there is room for a game to have that redemption arc you mentioned no man's sky is also another great example i don't know if these changes are enough to give redfall its redemption i think 60 frames per second is great it it feels like it's come a long time after launch um and it was shown it was advertised as having it pre-launch so it felt you know i think that's why it hit people the wrong way when it launched without it and then they've added, I think it's like stealth takedown animations before you sneak up behind a vampire and you just kind of would push X and, you know, like club them or whatever. They've given those bespoke animations and a few other changes. But I I don't know if it's had enough of a change in its core gameplay to make it be super compelling, in my opinion. A, a lot of what Cyberpunk did specifically that I found rewarding was reworking the perks and how you would update your Chrome and how you engaged with the nitty gritty of the game. And some of the stuff that I found mediocre about Redfall was how in the heat of combat, often your best option was just to run backwards yeah. because while you had powers, they were on a slow cool down. The powers weren't super compelling, especially if you were playing solo, you didn't have a good skill set to really take on the environment in which you were working in. And from what I've read, nothing changes that. So I, I don't expect Redfall to be a hit, but I'm excited that Microsoft owned version of the studios is showing commitment to continuing to work on them. And I think that is a net benefit for the industry is that, um, you know, a game isn't going to be just kicked out to pasture. I, I do wonder how you, you know, was it Marvel Heroes, Jeff? I think relaunched as like Marvel Heroes. Yeah, didn't work. 2020 or they changed the year to get a re-review yeah, because- Didn't work. Yeah, Redfall's Metacritic is forever bad now, right? Yeah. Like you can't Well, so was Cyberpunk's it. and that's changing, you know? Well, Phantom Liberties, I think is changing. I don't No, I think know even Cyberpunk's, I don't know. Uh, getting re-reviews? But, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't, uh, I, I, I would um, not suggest that this- this patch is the one that, that, you know, changes the the tide. I merely was suggesting that it's interesting to see that they're continuing to work on it. Yeah. It and can perhaps get better. that indicates that, you know, this may be the end of the work that they're doing on Redfall. I would hope not, but I, I, I was only suggesting that, uh, you know, perhaps if they continue to work on it, it there is a path forward for this game as well, but you're right, yeah. Christian, you're right to point out that this, this, this patch doesn't seem to be the one, uh, the silver bullet as it were. Um, to stay in the or it's a start and I appreciate it right like that's <laughs> it's that's, a start that's exactly I, it's that's a start we, yeah I hope I hope they continue it just feels like I mean maybe there's not enough interesting there to salvage I don't sure I don't know I, I it's not my particular 
flavor of of uh, fiction. I'm not super excited about vampire games in general, uh, vampires in general. But um, I don't know. I feel like this. I this. I watching the reviews come out, having played the game early as I as I did. It felt like the, there was a bit of baby with the bathwater with Redfall, uh, and there's some baby there. Maybe we should try to nurture the baby. And eh, not a great analogy. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking. <laughs> speaking. Speaking. Speaking of, of babies, top ten games that feature babies. Yeah. Speaking of babies, <laughs> Christian, you're a baby. No, I'm just kidding. Um, speaking of uh, bathwater, this bucket. Bathwater I've saved since 1996 when I read <laughs> Jeff's so. last newspaper review. I said 96, <laughs> and that actually is not even right. It, that's it was early, it's like 92. Oh my! I was I three am. years old. Well, time for me to throw well, out this bathwater. That's all the time we have, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, sorry, I was even playing old, video games yet. Video game reviews. Trixler, think of all the great games you've missed because you were born so late. I know. Sir. You're never I gonna know. get that. My oh, gosh, gross. you know, <laughs> that's actually not a bad point. I'm gonna reframe it that way. I literally missed zero video games. <laughs> yeah, based on my birth year. There weren't video games before I was born. <laughs> so, well, there you go. There I you go. None of them. <laughs> I was there for all out, of it. Anyway. Everything that comes out after you die, who cares? You haven't missed it. Oh, everything yeah, no, that's I come out before that Trixler was born is just on his backlog. You had a pre-born backlog, I'm bro. impressed, pre-born honestly. backlog. That's right. I didn't. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, uh, I just really quickly, since we've mentioned Cyberpunk a, a bunch of times, there is a story uh, about uh, Cyberpunk 2077 evidently getting a live action television show. And I just thought quickly, Trixel, I'd love to, are, are you in? Are you excited about this idea? Give them all to me. I yeah. love this trend of video games, getting animes, getting movies, getting TV shows. Uh, not necessarily because I want to watch them all, but if there is a world that I'm excited about, I can share it with the people around me that aren't gamers. Last of Us is something that uh, I was super into, but I couldn't get my girlfriend to play the game. It's scary. That's a long linear storyline, whatever. Last of Us came out. I sat them down on Sunday. I said, just give it one episode. And they watched it, and they are in love with that world now. And now her and I were actually playing that game together. It, it was like a way to open up the doors to this art that I love so much. And so I'm all about this. Give it to me all day, every day. There's already a cyberpunk anime that I've heard great things about. At some point, I'm going to catch up with. Um, I, I think this is the right way to continue growing IPs outside of video games. Just give them a chance to go global. Like, I'm love all that. about it. Love it. Well said. Uh Christian, uh, the production company is Anonymous Content, which is known for a True Detective, Mr. Robot, uh, and the films The Revenant and Spotlight. These are high on quality. Life is strange as well. Yeah, yeah, high like, quality uh, things. Um, you know, obviously the the thing we always hope for is that they're high quality. You know, yeah. um, so Christian, you know, Last of Us Part Two or Last of Us uh, TV show, great. Uh, a lot of a lot of this stuff is kind of turning around. What do you think as a, as a and, and now huge Cyberpunk 2077 fan. <laughs> Are you excited about this? Well, I also should say I've heard that HBO is uh, doing a remaster of The Last of Us Season 1. They've already mm, recast smart. it with... Oh, good. Uh, way way, way past time for that to happen. Way <laughs> yeah, past They found time. a higher res uh, Pedro Pascal. He looks great, <laughs> by the way. Um, Faster load times for his dialogue. <laughs> I feel like... So Edge Runner, you know... Uh, Phenomenal anime, well-reviewed, well-regarded. I found it a little difficult to watch because of its violence. It just, 
the time and place when I was it's sitting down trigger. to watch it. They do that. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, luckily there was um, no violence in Last of Us. Thank you. I know it was all well, you know. Again, Rainbows. The resolution was so low quality, I couldn't see it. It felt like <laughs> I was like, Ugh, "Am I watching this on 4K? I need an 8K TV. I can't, I can't watch it." Um, I, I'm curious how a cyberpunk live action works without Keanu or without Idris. Keanu is such a integral part of that game story. Not Edge Runner well, they, story. They've the said books. that it's not that's not gonna it's gonna be a new story in that universe. So it's yeah. not yes. gonna have anything to do with the games. Yeah, and so that's what I wonder is like it, does it feel connected to the game in a way that is meaningful, or is it just Blade Runner? Which is also awesome, but not necessarily cyberpunk. Like how I'm curious how big that world is without that core group of characters and i think edge runners proves that it can be successful but i don't know how linked that is to the property that i now enjoy and have a tattoo of on my back (laughs) (laughs) yeah well we'll see uh evidently uh you know early stages of development so you know long way off but uh this is the new this is the new gold rush is uh video game properties turned into media because it's 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 what's happened with comic books is now happening with video games uh, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing when we get high quality stuff. All right. Tons of good discussion there, but we got games to talk about. So let's get right into it with our playlist. Trixler, I know it's a uh, spooky season and we're going to mm-hmm. get to that, but uh, evidently uh, you brought up uh, early on that you have been playing a game that I very much enjoyed, but didn't get a ton of time with Sea of Stars. Oh, man, that game is a delight. Yeah, like I love uh, I think it's Sabotage Studios. Correct me if I'm wrong uh, for the development. They are focusing on kind of older 90s games and bringing them into the modern day uh, with mechanics, graphics, etc. Soundtracks. And Sea of Stars is one of those perfect collages between Chrono Trigger and Mario RPG combat uh, with an old callback to storytelling and going through these flat 2D levels, but with some beautiful pixel art. And it's a game that is around 30 hours and it doesn't let up. They know how to do pacing. Um, I've done a long review. If people want to check it out, feel free to do so. But I just want to get everyone to have Sea of Stars in their mind. Don't have to play it. Check it out at some point if you can. But if you ever do want a good JRPG that is bite-sized, remind you of the 90s days, but also is in modern gaming and beautiful and has a great soundtrack and does it have any flaw, check out Sea of Stars. That game is incredible. <laughs> I just <laughs> I have to throw it out. You got to give it a check out. I uh, agree. I, uh, you know, it, it came out in this unfortunate glut of incredible so role-playing games like there's still so 2023 games. it came out in yeah, the unfortunate like, well, year yes, of but even more specific like yes 2023 is incredible games but even mm. more specifically like this this window of three weeks where yeah. like generational role-playing games came out you know like we've been waiting for for a decade uh sure. you know, baldur's gate <laughs> starfield uh and, and and sea of stars was right in that same time period and i played a uh, you know, a, a bit of it. I haven't played through it. I I want to return to it. But man, you're right. It is gorgeous. The pixel art is fantastic. I really enjoyed the combat system. Yes. Which felt like a mix between like uh, um, Super Mario RPG or Paper Mario mm-hmm. with the like timed button presses. Yeah. And, you know, trying to time my boomerang attacks on the bad guys is so much fun. 
Um, and they keep building upon it too. Like yeah. it's like the first ten hours a little bit different, and then you start to get to the point where it's like mm, maybe I could get a little bit more. And like, oh, here's a little bit more. Here's a little yeah. bit more. And the combat just flows all the way through. The boss fights are yeah, so and it, enjoyable. They really become puzzles. These fights, yeah, because yeah. you get these little codes uh, above the enemies uh, that tells you what attacks from you, what kind of attacks from you in a certain sequence will yeah. prevent their next attack from going off. So you and see them party members are better at it. So like there's a reason to switch out your party members because sometimes in RPGs you like get three dudes and you're just like, these are my characters all the way through. I got my healer, I got my DPS and I got like a, a mage dealer. Right. Yeah. But this one says, try all of your members, switch them out. And we're not going to punish you for switching out your members. And it just it flows so well. I don't know how to oversell this without overselling it. It's like one of my favorite JRPGs that I've ever played. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Ah, that's great to hear. Uh, and, the, and the story has been satisfying throughout? For you? All the way through. That's my yeah. issue with some uh, RPGs. Like Final Fantasy sixteen this year came out, and like it was a spectacle. And there were some Game of Thrones moments in it. I don't know if you guys got a chance to pick it up and play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first couple hours, I was like, wow, I am in. And then you get like 20 hours into it, and it's like, by the way, build a boat for four hours after you do like an <laughs> epic boss fight. And it's like the pacing is some of the worst things I've ever seen in a Final Fantasy game. This game does not have any of those flaws. You just flow through it. It's a visual spectacle, and the story is always improving. And the best part is, like, all of the characters, they're not these no-name characters that you just play through to, like, feed you through the story. You know all their intentions. You know what they're trying to do. You understand the bad guys. Like, I was just blown away by this game. I went in expecting, okay, this should be fun, like The Messenger. And The Messenger is already great by itself, which was a game that they um, produced before this one. Yeah. Um, So I don't know if, Christian, if you have a chance to play it, but I think you would love it, too. If you ever have a chance to sit down and game it out for 30 hours, uh, it's it sums up all the way through. Again, it's been on my list. The messenger I thought was outstanding and this just hasn't for whatever, you know, I I can't play them all uh, Mm -hmm. despite what Pokemon wants me to believe that I can catch them and then play (laughs) them all. Um, It remains impossible, but I I like seeing games like this exist. And I love when they're hits because oftentimes I feel like we see the updated not just a nostalgia play, but like the updated version of a game from the past. And it doesn't have much more than that. And sometimes yeah. that's enough. It's like, oh, I, this is great. I can play this easily on my current system and it, gets, it scratches that itch for me. But from what I've read and heard about Sea of Stars, I love that it's bringing something new to the table and doing it with such craft and care that it's more than just uh remember those old games you liked. Well, here's another one. I, I think sure. it sounds great. Again, that's one that Jeff may reviewed. Uh, the game is called Sea of Stars. I I, I played most of it on Steam Deck, or yeah. most of my time with it was on Steam Deck. It plays great on Steam Deck, so really cool game. Uh, Trick, what else is on your playlist? It is Spooktober, which means I get all the things I enjoy: pumpkins, pumpkin spice, pumpkin bread, pumpkin cookies. I devour all of those, and I get spooky games. Lucky for us, a couple of the spooky games came out earlier this year with uh, Resident Evil 4 Remastered, which if you haven't played the original Resident Evil 4, you're missing out on what was genre-defining at the time, and Dead Space as well got a remaster. Uh, Actually, I would consider Dead Space to be a remake, whereas a remaster uh, would be for Resident Evil 4. But they delivered it so well on both of those games. I finally got to play through them all uh, in this last week, and I gotta say that Resident Evil 4, I think, is up there as my favorite Resident Evil. I love them all. Even five and six, they get a lot of crap from people because uh, they're a little bit too actiony, not enough scary. But Resident Evil Four is that perfect blend between action, scariness, uh, and of course the puzzle solving, which comes with those games. Uh, if you've never sat down and played Resident Evil, 
the first couple are puzzly and they're a little bit scary, but it starts to go into the whole like Fast and Furious trajectory where they just like are ridiculous action stars. And uh, RE4 is the perfect capture of all that. So definitely give that a chance. I don't know if you guys have played any of the RE4s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Christian's talking. Yeah, he's saying yes. What, did day. you play the, the, the remake here? Yeah, it's a phenomenal, you know, version of the game. And I think it's it's the definitive version, a game that Perry I... Mechanic. Why did they wait so long to do it, though? <laughs> well, they <laughs> did it, Jeff. Three out. I, I, they've done several versions of it. That's true. That's, uh, That's a I, good point. I played this game on my iPhone 4. I played that version. I played an OG oh my GameCube. I played and it in VR. A, a VR version. There's been many a version of yeah. RE4. Um, but this current version is phenomenal. And it, it's, I think... Trickster, it, it's a representation of a game that you don't realize how much it's been modernized unless sure. you go back and play a GameCube or the PS2 version of it because it it plays how you'd expect it to play, but so much more like a modern game yeah. that makes it more engaging in a way that I think is very smart versus going back and playing the original version, which was incredible for its time, but I think feels dated because of the limitations of when it came out. Yeah, like turning is a little bit slower than the old one, like not figuring out, not knowing how to kick and like do the sumo slam doesn't make sense until you like you play it a little bit and see so you have to get them into a stagger. Uh, I think the greatest addition of this one is they sped up all of the enemies, but gave you more tools to feel like a, a, a like I can't cuss here. Uh, sound awesome, bad A, if you will. You uh, with, it's fine. Badass with the uh, parry mechanic. Uh, I think that was the greatest addition to this new way to play Resident Evil. It allows you to stand there as Leon and say, bring on the fight. Let's go. And if you hit all your stuff perfectly, you feel like you're just in the zone and you're this awesome action figure that's willing to come here and sh- save the president's daughter. Like, ah, I just, I loved every single moment of it. Um, okay, so, so if listeners want a uh, a spooky game for spooky season, but they can only get one, oh, man. Resident Evil 4 or Dead Space, which do you recommend? <sighs> I think Resident Evil, if you want a more action-filled romp that has scary elements... I'm, I'm going to cheat and just give you an answer on both. <laughs> then Dead Space, if you want to be scared a little bit, because they did a great job of capturing the atmosphere in Dead Space. And it's kind of weird when you play these remaster and remakes, you're like, this guy, it feels similar to like the first one. Like It even looks like it remembered my memory. And then you go look at the graphics, and you're just like, oh, that 2008 version definitely looks like it's a bunch of gray walls. Uh, the new one gives you tentacles everywhere. It's dark in certain elements. Lighting has come so far when it comes to games. Um, so choose between those two based on action versus do you want to be scared? Because Dead Space definitely has that scary element to it. Yeah. I I played a fair amount of the remake of Dead Space on PC in super ultra wide with all the bells and whistles cranked up. And my goodness, is it gorgeous? I would be tempted. I know it's kind of blasphemy to to say I would be tempted to go Dead Space over Resident Evil 4 personally. Sure. Uh, as you said, it is very, very scary. I mean, it's very mm. creepy. Like it, it really ramps up the, it, the tension. You're always, there's always something around every corner that's, that, that's awful looking and disturbing on a very visceral level. And you're, you know, you're literally, uh, dismembering things. Yeah. Uh, that's how you take things down. You're slicing off limbs. Um, but I, I think that dead space remake is, is gorgeous in a very disgusting way sure um, but uh i think i might lean that direction christian what do, which one do you lean i think right now i would say i think the re4 is the better game but i think dead space is how i would spend my spooktober if i had to pick between the two of them it is 
uh, terrifying in a way of playing with the lights out, headphones on, great use of sound where it's like, was that? Kids, you okay? okay? It's just the game, and it's you know things creepy crawling. Are you being around dismembered you. in the other room, kids? <laughs> are you being dismembered? or Are you doing the dismembering? Okay, good. Keep it up. Um, Remember to dismember. <laughs> I think I think the parry mechanic makes RE4 an incredible game, but it does change it in terms of some of the jump scares that happen sure. in Dead Space and the times where you feel very vulnerable and like I get out of situations by the skin of my teeth. In RE4, I, I did feel more empowered. And it's kind of like, what's the better Christmas movie? Nightmare Before Christmas or Die Hard? Both. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. both of I them. Um, and yeah. RE4 is Die Hard, very much Die Hard. You're an action star with some spooky grossness going on around you, but you feel empowered the whole time. Isaac very rarely, I think, feels empowered, um, especially depending on the difficulty you play on. You'll be ammo constrained and it's it's creepy. I want to ask you guys, what do you think about the difficulty debate when it comes to scary games? Because uh, personally, I feel like hardcore, if you can, I, I totally, I'm not trying like difficult shame or anything, but if you can, if you have the chops, play on hardcore uh, because you run out of ammo, that fear factor goes up dramatically for you. It makes you feel like you are fighting for your life. This is why you're a god tier streamer because uh, <laughs> I have no desire to put myself through that. I, sure, uh, sure. I, I, I enjoy a, you know I enjoy a spoopy game every now and then, but my goodness, uh, that is not the sensation that I seek out. I don't gotcha, like gotcha. that uh, that feeling of like ah, why? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm I love scrounging in a corner, opening a locker, and finding two bulls, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I live another day. Let's go! <laughs> you know, I love that feeling. <laughs> I'll Amazing. save you for later, one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the guy that holds on to my health potions uh, and, and then credits roll. And I'm like, oh, I had 15. Oh, I could have used those. <laughs> I relate to that as well. <laughs> uh, okay. I have another question for you because um, folks who listen to this show regularly will remember that uh, this, uh, I don't know, I guess this early, late spring, early summer, I got into uh, hardcore mode in WoW mm. pretty intensely. But it was before the official hardcore service came out. I was doing it with the mod and my buddies and I uh, got into it. And I <laughs> literally just turned myself into a hypocrite uh, because I just said I don't seek out that kind of feeling in games. <laughs> and now I'm saying I got really into it and I loved the the Oh, you're permadeath. into the torture, torture. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I just completely hypocrited myself. Um, but it sounds like you're checking out the WoW hardcore, uh, the classic um official servers the official hardcore servers that, yeah. that blizzard just put out recently so my friend group the one that we were talking about earlier with co-op games uh one of them was like let's all play wow classic hardcore and we all like one i've never played wow at all like all oh, the way really? through like i've like dabbled in it where like i got in with a friend and i got an amount and he took me around the world and i was like oh this is cool i like I am this shocked to hear that with as much hots as you I played know. and like i know stuff. i learned all of my war my lore through playing heroes of storm because i was a starcraft funny. boy i came wow. from starcraft over to heroes of storm so i knew starcraft 2 and then i learned all my warcraft stuff after playing hots and then reading up on it to make sure that i was good enough to do community management um so we sat down and played it i'm not gonna lie the first like five hours i was not fun to watch i was bored out of my mind i had no idea what was happening i didn't understand global cooldowns i thought mages were just like arcane buff bots that just gave food to everybody i was like this is the worst experience of my life 
I lost my first wild character in our four co-op group around level 17. Uh, I died to a null caster that two shot me. And I was like, this game sucks. I ult F forward. And I suddenly like I was sitting in my living room downstairs. I was like, I kind of want to I kind of want to like play WoW. <laughs> so I went up and grinded by myself. And I would say about three hours in a grinding by myself. It clicked. I was like, I see why people are into this game. Like there is like intention and reason and like when you're moving between environments the world changes a lot the music goes with you the textures look different you feel like you're in a different part of the world <laughs> it's gotten to the point now i'm on my i'm on my fourth wild character because my third one died to another uh defias pillager that i didn't even aggro for the record a rogue that was near me aggroed it and then went invisible and it latched onto me and i died and i think that's a bs mechanic and i'm a little <laughs> upset and i may email somebody but um, I'm on my way to leveling up my fourth one, and uh, I think it's a long form roguelite is kind of how I yeah. roguelike is how I look at it, yep. and I love roguelikes, so now I'm like clicking into that mode. Um, but WoW Classic legitimately has enough pacing to just be a good game once you play around the mechanics, get everything built up, the deliberate strength increase as you go up each level feels incredible. Like they did a great job of that game back in the day. I could see why so many nerds like myself were so involved with it, wanting to do raids and everything. I, I think it's A plus. If you have a chance and you have the patience, hop on a wild classic and give it give it some time, you know? I think you make a great point that it it, it is a rogue like, not a rogue light. A rogue yeah. light is the uh is the more modern uh offshoot where there is some persistent progression so that even though you die uh, in Hades or mm -hmm. in Rogue Legacy uh, and you have to start over, there is some you get some currency that you can spend and upgrade your stuff and you get a cooler thing and you get a to start stronger, cooler, right? Rogue, the old rogue and rogue likes uh, original rogue likes. You don't get anything that persists. You start try, you over, went as bud. far as you could and you die and you start over from zero. The only and thing th you get is knowledge. That's, that's right. You get to level up perhaps, but nothing in the game uh, carries over. And that, you're right, is exactly the experience of playing uh, WoW Hardcore is I got, I got as far as I could. Ah, everything, literally everything starts over. And, you know, the old, the original Hardcore community, their mantra was, we go again. Yeah. We, we yeah. go again. We go again. I was surprised at how many people I saw uh, re-leveling up constantly. Like, yeah. I'm new to it. So, like, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. This is new. I'm going to be in the new areas. But I constantly see, like, four or five people making new accounts. Like, people are invested yeah. in WoW Classic. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's remarkable how uh, stripping away all of the, all of the, um, the, the modern changes to the game, the quality of life improvements, like, make my life less quality is what people seem to want. It, it, it's interesting because WoW has evolved over, you know, a decade plus uh, to be a very streamlined experience and cutting that away and going back to how it started, which was very much not streamlined, yeah. is a really interesting experience. It's really interesting to see how all those rough edges actually add texture, add experience to, you know, the 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 struggle is our old friend Dan Trachtenberg used to have a, a saying he brought up on the Totally Rad Show all the time, which was the good suck. It's like it sucks, sure. but it's that's what's good about it. Like it because you beat you, it. It, it. Yes, you you have to endure that, and getting past those trials and tribulations uh, is the triumph. Um, so 
Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't tried the official servers yet because I I had only you done the, the mod, but they're good, huh? They're they're. they're I'm, and... I'm having fun. I was surprised at how much fun I had. Like again, my first experience was the worst thing ever. It was being tugged along by a group and there's being yelled at for like pulling things. And I'm like, I don't understand these mechanics. <laughs> but like sitting down <laughs> and playing funny. by myself, I was like, this this yeah. is this is special. It I makes see why people every, love this game. You know, it's kind of what people talk about with Dark Souls. Like it makes every encounter important there's no trash mobs everything is potentially scary mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? if you pull yeah. too many and again i'm a total hypocrite because i just said i don't seek out that experience but i'm just i'm raving about it so who knows uh christian spicer you have been playing another of these massive triple a tentpole releases that are happening it seems on a minute by minute basis this this fall tell us about assassin's creed mirage the spookiest thing about this Spooktober is how many hits are, you know, set to release this month. It seems mm-hmm. like it, the jump scare is another AAA game coming out that is feels like a must play. Assassin's Creed Mirage, I have been playing via Ubisoft Plus, which is their subscription service. I signed up for the $14 a month tier, uh, which is just playing on PC. But then I've been playing it exclusively through GeForce Now, which is NVIDIA's cloud gaming service. It is a day and date game on GeForce Now. And if so you've you need listened two to, subscriptions for that to work, right? Correct. The way I am, I mean, you can buy the game outright and stream via GeForce Now. GeForce Now also does have a free tier that's limited in many ways. I am not on that free tier. I am on the ultimate high end. It's like you're running a 4080 or whatever it is in the cloud. Beautiful. But yes, under this... Just like if you were to do GeForce Now and um, Xbox Game Pass games, you would need the Game Pass subscription and then GeForce on top of that as well. Or you can buy the games outright. But I, I love cloud gaming, uh, RIP Stadia. If you've listened to this show long enough, you know that I'm uh, a champion of it. And I think it is the future in some form or fashion. And so I love diving back into it, you know, two feet. All the way, getting fully wet, swimming around in it, especially with these diving from a great height, landing it as if it is hay, as if it's hay or water that's at least four feet deep. You know, like whichever (laughs) one is going, you have to trust your dive. Um, And so, I'll talk about my experience at GeForce now. It's been incredible. Uh, I've raved about it. I think pretty much since its inception, I felt like it was the best cloud gaming service. It remains the best cloud gaming service. And I think head and shoulders better than others as I continue to test all of them. I sent you a message, Jeff, as I was playing. My daughter was at softball practice. I had good 5G signal and I brought my backbone and I was like, let's see how this, let's see how this works. It was awesome. It was as if native. I say I played exclusively. I played the first 20 minutes on PC because I wanted to get that baseline, you know, me playing it running off my rig. And then I've been playing it via GeForce Now since. And I Daddy, was, are you watching me? I got a hit. Are you watching? It's practice. <laughs> you talking about practice? You <laughs> talking about practice? You got a hit at practice? Um, no, I'm not. I did just take down this cruel titan who's been forcing people to work in slave labor camps. Did you see me do that? No. Mind your business. <laughs> Yeah, honey, you assassinated that ball. That was good. <laughs> you jumped off the backstop and stabbed a bat into its uh, neck. Real good, real good job. I think you're getting it wrong though, but I'm proud of you. Um, it was awesome. I mean, truly, 
uh, as someone who loves this tech, but continues to be blown away by it. Like truly mind blowing to be sitting there in a park playing a game as if I'm playing it, you know, native on my device. Uh, I was also recently traveling for a little bit and I tried playing it on Motel 6 Wi-Fi. Mm. No. <laughs> not exactly not Motel 6 G, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no. It was not not good. So there are still clearly limits to the technology. Multi, 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 Motel 6 Wi-Fi, fine to watch a movie uh, via Amazon Prime streaming, fine to check my email, not a way I would recommend playing a video game. It was it was not a good experience. So that's kind of the state of cloud gaming for me and GeForce Now. Assassin's Creed Mirage is a very interesting game. It, it feels almost like how we were talking about RE4 and perhaps Dead Space of RE4, this re-release that came out this year, feels like how I remember the game feeling when I played it all those years ago on GameCube, but it's not. They've you know added the parry mechanic. They've made enemies faster. I think they've changed some inventory management. They've changed some plot points and some parts sure. of the map. And it is a different game, but it still has that feeling. And Assassin's Creed Mirage, as I'm playing it, it feels like, and I'm not done. I'm seven hours in. I should have checked my save before we started. Over five, less than ten, somewhere in that. In that I'll trust you of the game. I would have been more, but Motel Six Wi-Fi let me down, baby. You know, like uh, <laughs> I, I, I hours to grind and nothing to do. Sternly worded letter to the manager. I hope. I mean. <laughs> Dear Motel 6, I do not stay at your hotel because it is one of the few available with a room. I stay here to partake in cloud <laughs> video game play. <laughs> I feel very let down. Was my room clean? Yes. Did I enjoy your free coffee? Quite a bit. Wi-Fi. I was unable to assassinate anyone while staying at your motel. <laughs> Number of people I tried to kill and was successful at? Zero. Um, <laughs> Maybe I should go to a Super 8 and see if those two more digits provide a superior cloud gaming <laughs> experience. Um, Please write that on Yelp review. <laughs> Please. <laughs> it feels like I'm playing the best version of uh, Assassin's Creed 2, or I'm getting, I, I forget all the names of them. Not Black Flag necessarily, because it had some ship to ship combat, but this is a dense you know, for all intents and purposes, one city environment, you're in Baghdad, which is incredible setting. And it feels like how I remember playing those old Assassin's Creeds. This is not Odyssey. This is not Valhalla. This is you're sneaky, sneaky, and you're in one city and this city is dense and there's corridors everywhere and, you know, tons of places to hide and explore and check How's the parkour? out and, and do parkour. Okay. And, it brings back that core Assassin's Creed experience. So it very much feels like revisiting. It feels like it could be a remaster. If someone, you know, if you had told someone like, oh, Assassin's Creed Mirage originally came out in 2007 and now they've updated it and played this version, it's the definitive version, that would feel accurate. Like that's what Assassin's Creed Mirage feels like to me is the definitive version of that initial version of Assassin's Creed after two pre-Odyssey before it became this large, Act, or not Odyssey. What was the Egypt one? Um, uh, something else. Um, also, uh, Origins, o, I think. Origins, yes. Um, before it became a larger, sprawling kind of RPG game. And so I think if you're looking for that type of experience, this is 100% for you. But if you're someone who's grown up on Origins, Odyssey, Valhalla, I think in many ways this game 
it won't necessarily feel like a step backward, but it will feel like a different franchise almost. It will feel like a sister franchise or a spinoff. Like they could have called this, I don't know, something different, like Prince of Persia or something. <laughs> like it, it will feel different enough to those games. But what's in the game is super well done. And I think playing some of these these other big games reminds me of some of the problems I had with Starfield. I mean, you're on this, granted, it's just one city. Starfield is a all of existence. But the seamlessness of what these modern Assassin's Creed games do of having zero loads as you fly up into your overhead as your bird and you scout thing and you zoom back down to your character and you walk into this uh temple or this fortress that's huge and massive and you know you walk right out of it right back into the open world where something else is going on over here all without any load times to interrupt your gameplay is awesome and this version of assassin's creed i think while being that og version i think has learned stuff from hitman world of assassination assassin assassination the newest hitman where if you want to, you can very much explore a space and figure out your own way to get things done. Unlike Hitman, you don't have to do it that way. The game will very much prompt you in a way to do it where you'll be talking to the quest giver and it'll be like, you got to go take out this prison and free these you know, people that are on our side. You might want to talk to the merchant on the west side of the building for a tip, or you might want to go get some uh, you know, mercenaries to go help you. Or perhaps there's another way. <laughs> you know, oh. kind of like, and then most of the time I use my little eagle and find where the merchant is and go talk to them and do that because that's the path of least resistance for me. But as you play with these systems, I think there are interesting other ways to figure out these, these puzzles, these combat puzzles or these stealth puzzles to achieve your objective. The knock I would give against the game right now is that I feel like more times than not, the path of honest to goodness, least resistance is actually full resistance. Just go kill everybody. (laughs) Like, and I think it wants to give you that option as your get out of jail card. Like oftentimes in Hitman, if you mess up, you're dead and you reload and you go back. And that has a certain satisfying moment of figuring out the puzzle, but it's also kind of annoying to be like, ugh, I failed. There's no way forward. Go again. Yeah. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Mirage feels like it very much wants to give you a path forward and it does that by having a pretty full and compelling uh combat package and so i'll i'll be spotted and unlike old og metal gear where it's like and then i got i want to reload it's like okay game on uh basim and i i'm gonna go all out and just kill all these people but now i've become pretty uh, efficient at combat <laughs> so now it's sometimes like this fortress is heavily defended i'm like no it's not <laughs> <laughs> jump off the tower like throwing daggers as i as i fall there's an upgrade path for a dagger where it's poison and it dissolves the body it's like oh, wow. chef's kiss it's an awesome you know <laughs> fantasy weapon but for assassin's creed we're like i think it was odyssey where you could teleport across four buildings to take people down just like no no you can't but it was like yes you can and here it's like with this dagger dipped in acid and so it dissolves the body and you're like oh like over the course of a day no it's like dead (laughs) disappear awesome because then you don't have to worry about the body being found and so there's a, a serious game i think you can play and then there's Have the you way heard I'm about the assassin it? that is uh, like a whisper in the night. Uh, <laughs> no, but I know that like 400 dudes have disappeared over the last two days. There is an assassin <laughs> among our ranks. We're not sure who he is. 
I am the assassin. I'm like banging pots as they run in. Where it's like, today's the day you die. Today's the day. they're like. <laughs> We need to up our guards. It doesn't matter. Dead, dead, dead. That's um, just more people for me to kill. <laughs> very much, very much. And so I don't think it will raise rise to the level of anyone's favorite of 2023, but it is a very well-made, put-together game that I think will scratch a very specific itch for a lot of people that miss that um, original Assassin's Creed um version it's just uh it doesn't do anything incredibly new that i think will blow people away that like oh i've never seen anything do this before but it is pretty and it it works which i think is also something worth saying in the year of 2023 pc releases (laughs) would you say it's pretty similar to to go to sushima because sushima was like that where you could play an assassin or you could go in just like i'm gonna be a samurai and just take everyone on is it kind of similar to that because i love that type of gameplay it it the mechanics of the gameplay are very different gotcha. than Ghost of Tsushima, where you know you'll in, in Assassin's Creed Mirage, I send my Falcon Eagle, my bird up, and you can use it to spot everything from above. I could tag every enemy. I could do recon from there, find the merchant that's going to sell me the thing that's going to help me cloak and disguise in. I can walk in with the crowd and be shrouded. I can. It gives you more options to really embrace stealth. Whereas mm. I felt like in Ghost of Tsushima, it was kind of hide in the bushes and be like, yeah. whistle, whistle. And then, you know, create my pile of bodies, 10 bodies high in the bushes that no one would notice. But that was kind of my stealth approach. Where gotcha. Assassin's Creed has a verticality to almost all of the fortresses and missions that allow you to scale and climb and pick people off one by one, should you be so inclined. I, will, gotcha. I had a revelation recently uh, in playing a game that we will be talking about next week. Um, but. I, I realized I actually I I love stealth in games, but what I hate is forced stealth in games. Yep. I want the option. Yeah. I will embrace stealth almost every time. I will embrace stealth in, you know, big Bethesda RPGs. I will embrace stealth in, you know, Assassin's Creed type games. What I don't want is here's the stealth level. Don't get caught. Oh, I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. I want to have the option decide. I want to be the one that decides, Oh, I'm going to handle this in a stealth way. And I, I really, um, that, that galvanized in my head of like, man, I don't, I don't like it when a game is like, here's a stealth level, be stealthy. Ah, especially uh, when you've been spamming buttons the entire time for the last four hours in yes. action combat. And then it's like, now, by the way, don't get caught once. That throws me off so quickly. It, it, it bothers think- me, but I do love stealth in games when it's like, here's an option. Here's another tool in your toolkit. You want to be the stealth person? And I'll be like, oh yeah, I want to be, you know, liquid death and they didn't see coming. Um, yeah. I think, I think you might love this game, Jeff. I, I really do. I think Man. it might, it might click one, for you in that regard. I had one game this fall where I was like, I'm just not going to play that. And now you're <laughs> telling me I need great. to play it. <laughs> I, I think I I think it might scratch that itch for you. Like I think the only another fault I could point out to it is that it, I think it I don't know if it trusts the player enough. Like I said, I think it is a pretty big sandbox, but it also will guide you. It's like you have to solve this mystery. Go talk to Roger. <laughs> like, I I was gonna, like you got to solve this mystery. You need to investigate this part of the town to figure out what happened. 
or go talk to Roger. He'll tell you what happened. <laughs> and then on the HUD, it's like, Roger, bing, bing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I kind of want to go do the thing. And it's like, but Roger's 50 feet away to your right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll go talk to Roger. Like it kind of forces that critical path. But in terms of like not forcing stealth on you, I think it, it nails that. It's, it's really well done. Very cool. That's Assassin's Creed Mirage. Uh, yet another game uh, that has come out for you to play <laughs> ladies and gentlemen um <laughs> i got a couple to mention as well uh smaller releases um our friend dan Trachtenberg, who i already mentioned once this episode he, he gets multiple mentions that's that's how cool he is uh he often will text me in the middle of the night with another game he doesn't say hi he doesn't say hey jeff how you doing it's literally just the title of a game for me to check out that's all he does it's just the title of a game and then i have to go and find it buy it and check it out uh, which is what I did with uh, Knight versus Giant, the Broken Excalibur, which is my, uh, we got to get a jingle for this, my uh, roguelite of the week, Jeff's roguelite of the week. Um, Knight versus Giant, the Broken Excalibur is a very, uh, very much a, the, the tried and true template of a roguelite these days uh, in the Hades mold, uh, isometric um, room by room, you walk into a room, it's a small arena, have to defeat all the enemies in there before being able to move on to the next room. Uh, go as far as you can with a limited health pool, upgrading things, getting massive upgrades as you go, uh, new abilities, uh, tweaks on your abilities as you move through each of the rooms, trying to defeat a boss. Uh, if you die and your, your run ends, you can retain uh, a lot of the currency and a lot of the stuff that you've managed to then go back to your home base, which in this case is Camelot. Uh, and you can upgrade things in your home base that will give you benefits and, and cool starting gear and abilities for the next run. So not anything we haven't seen uh, before in this genre. It's a genre I happen to love. Uh, I will say um, the setting, if you haven't already gleaned it, is, uh, you know, Knights of the Round Table. You play as Arthur. Um, um, what's his name? Merlin is your sort of uh, upgrade guy leading you through it. He resurrects you after this massive battle that the Knights of the Round Table have with these giants. The giant, you stick Excalibur in this giant, it breaks off in the giant, so you have it, Excalibur is broken, and the giant defeats you, kills you. Merlin resurrects you and says, hey, you don't get to die anymore. You're going to keep coming back, but you got to you know take down these giants that are you know terrorizing the world so um so that's the game right you're you're going run after run trying to get defeat these bosses in these areas it, room to room where there's all these bad guys it's very kinetic very fast paced uh you know typical kind of roguelite right now and i like it uh i think it's gorgeous i really love the art style it's very colorful vibrant very um you know a very animated look to it uh like sure. a, you know cartoon um very sharp i really appreciate the look of uh of this game and uh it's it's super fun i think the upgrades can get ridiculous which is a good thing in That's my a plus. opinion yeah yeah I, I love like there was a run i was doing where so so one of the weapons is sort of a uh, ranged like um like a sword slash that moves in, you know over a distance and you start with one single one uh, and then you can get these upgrades. I got it to where it ricochets between opponents. Then I got to where it splits off and ricochets between opponents. Then I got one where it shoots both forward and behind me 
ricocheting and splitting off between opponents. So I became like this Gradius bullet hell death god running around just like spamming my attacks and just like all these things shooting out and oh and, and it feels so good seeking their it? targets i also got the seeking their targets thing so they're like <laughs> twisting around and seeking and ricocheting and it was like this is i love when it feels like your upgrade suite mm-hmm. breaks the game you're like oh my I, they couldn't have possibly anticipated that i would have all these stacked on top of i'm one so another. good at video games yeah, 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 yeah. just break it yeah. totally uh so in that sense like Great. You know, that's what I want out of a roguelite. That's what I want out of any kind of upgrade system is rule breaking, right? I'm not super excited about, oh, you get a plus 2% chance of critical hits. I don't want my crit chance percentage to go up. That doesn't feel great. It may be, it may be effective, but it doesn't feel good. What feels good is, oh, this is splitting off and now it's seeking its target and now it's ricocheting between, like, Things that feel like they're breaking the rules of what has been established. So in that sense, Knight versus Giant, the broken Excalibur, excels. Um, I just don't think it does anything particularly novel or unique in a space that is very jam-packed with excellent games. Like, I I remember uh, bringing up the Ember Knight uh, earlier, just a few weeks ago. I I think I would prefer that game to this one. But I think this game is a very uh, solid entry into this genre and it's not super expensive i think it's 20 bucks um so knight versus giant the broken excalibur should be on your radar if you love roguelites like I. my do. first question like i looked at the trailer uh once you brought it up is those bosses look tall yeah they're do they huge feel like you're like getting stomped if you don't have a strong enough build oh 100 you know you have okay. a dash like many of these games do and you're sort of mm. impervious when you do the dash and the the game is very much the enemies um do the sort of um you know, the little outline of where their attack is going to be seconds okay. before it, it lands. So you have, you're trying to dash out of it. And um, yeah, and the giants, when you fight a giant, it feels like huge. the camera pulls back and you're tiny, tiny, tiny on the screen all of a sudden because it's so massive. And the, its area of effect things are huge. And you have to do multiple dashes to get out of them. So yeah, it's unique. Feel I like epic. that. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I, I, it's easy game to recommend. I just don't think it's like, Oh, it's redefining what what these games are kind of capable of. I just I think it's solid, it's sharp looking, great plays great. Yeah, solid. Knight versus Giant, the Broken Excalibur. Cool. Listening to you talk about it, I wonder if this game exists. But I was thinking like how fun it could be. Maybe not for a full game, but I, I wonder if there's a game where you are the boss in a bullet hell, and you mm-hmm. have to kill this little gnat. You know, like what is that like it to as the player experience of being the thing that's like you have you can never defeat the Death Star and you're like, yeah. and then, like there's this little ship that usually you're yeah, the little horde cool mode. Right? <laughs> they have an army of yeah. people coming at you, so you had to like pick where your abilities go and stuff. That'd be really yeah. fun. Totally. Could be funny. Um uh, the other game I want to mention is a game that you know, sometimes there are these games that everybody recommends to me. Like there's a, there are these games that come along that I will get emails and tweets and phone calls and texts. I'll get, everybody's like, you got to play this. You got to play this. You got to play this. One of those games happened just recently. It is called chance of Senar, not chance chant. So like a chant, like, Oh yeah, chant. Um, chant of Senar is a puzzle game. But it is a puzzle game unlike any I have experienced. It is a puzzle game. Yo. If the Rosetta Stone was a video game, it would be Chance of Senar. Because this is a game about, about learning a language, about 
interpreting a language from context clues. So it is a top-down isometric game, a very stark uh, visual style, very sim similar to something like uh, Sable that came out recently or Roller Drome, which is a game Christian and I both loved from last year. Um, so it has that kind of like thin line art style. I, I really like it, a very beautiful aesthetic. Top-down, uh, point and click. You can play with a controller, but I think it's better to point and click. Um, and you are moving up the Tower of Babel. Lay, uh, floor by floor. And in order to do that, you are this stranger in a strange land. You encounter these individuals who do not, whose language you do not speak. They speak to you. There are things written on the walls. You will encounter the language all over the place. And the language is a glyph, based on glyph, like a hieroglyphic language. So there's these, these glyphs, these impenetrable glyphs that each of them, each Glyph is a word. And your job in this game is to figure out the language, is to literally interpret what is happening around you and try to figure out how to move forward by deciphering the words. And the way you do that is interacting with these other people observing things, going through the environment. And when they say something to you, you have this little journal in the game that allows, that shows you each of the glyphs and allows you to type in what your guess of what that word is. So then the next time you see, you know, it'll be like a, a character will walk up to you and go like, blah, 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 and the little word bubbles will come up with the glyphs in them. And what you have typed in will be substituted in. So it, you'll see if, it makes any sense what you've decided to oh, get are guessing, trying to create this syntax. And at a certain point, when you've gathered enough information, the game will open up the another section of the notebook that you have, the little journal that you have, and show you specific slots to place in these glyphs. And if you put them in correctly, it'll be like, bring, yes, you got those words right. And then those words will forever be correctly displayed when those glyphs come up when someone says them or they're on the wall or whatever what's fascinating, fascinating. you get so, so quickly fascinating and it feels at first when you start this game it feels impossible mm. but the the thing that quickly becomes clear is this is what you do in real life when you are learning a language when mm -hmm. you are in a ask. foreign land, what? I was going to ask, could this teach a real language? Could you start by saying, like, pick one of these five languages you don't know? And it's like, oh, French, here you go. And then you play the game and, like, learn some French. I suspect I would so be in it on could that. be appropriated in that way. That is very much not what this game is doing, right? It is, it is doing something completely different. And it, and it has these, like, nonsensical symbols that are the and, – and, and I think it doesn't – because each symbol is a word, it doesn't have individual letters. It doesn't have syntax yeah. per, per se. Like it's simplified, right? But by and large, the, the process is the same. And I felt like, you know, at the times that I have traveled to foreign lands and tried to communicate or the times that I have been in a, uh, a classroom setting where it's like fully immersive Spanish or something like that. And we're just talking at you. Or when you watch 
you know, you watch a foreign language film without subtitles on and you're like, I'm kind of getting it. And I've heard, you know, people that have learned entire languages just by like, I watched all of this soap opera in Korean and now I know Korean, you know, that's how I learned that language. It's just, I spent hours and hours or people that have learned English by just coming here and watching TV. Um, It's amazing that process because it's not a game process. It's not fun per se, right? Sure, it it yeah. is work. And and yet the feeling of getting something right in this game is extraordinary because you really feel like you're unlocking knowledge. You're un, you're it 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 applies not just to this puzzle, but now I have I have this word that's going to apply across this whole breadth of experience that I've run into. And now I'm understanding what they're saying to me. And it's amazing because the game doesn't just do it once. It does it over and over because you unlock a language and then you go to the next level of the, of, of Babel, the tower of Babel. And there's a different culture with a whole different language. And you're like, ah, now I gotta do this again. It's, that sounds so fun. It's One of my greatest ex- achievements in life is I went to Spain and I ordered a sandwich and a beer in Spanish, and I was so delighted. And if that game can replicate that feeling, I'll, I'm going to play it. I'm curious I'm what that. you would think if it, if it succeeds in, in that specific... Because I felt like it was a very equivalent feeling to, to something like that. And honestly, you know, it, it reminded me of like Obra Dinn, and and there are certain other games where it just feels impossible when you start it. Like the level... Mm-hmm. The, what the game is asking of you is so it requires so much engagement and lean forward like listening and thinking like it, there's no nothing is spelled out for you right yeah you can't be casual about it right and Obradin I admired so much but ultimately like felt too much like work for me to finish it I I, I gave up on that game because like I I need a friend a buddy I, I I need more than one brain working on this it just felt overwhelming at a certain point and. I admire that game very, very much, but it was, it was too much. I have not finished Chance of Sinar, but I have not felt that way. And ironically, again, this is the episode where I am a hypocrite over and over again. I honestly wish the game was harder because, as I mentioned, there are those moments where you have sort of, the game has just decided that you have seen enough of something. And it clicks over into this other journal entry where it's like, here are the images of like a person pointing, which is what the a person did in the context of me going, oh, were they, are they saying you by pointing at me? Okay, I think that word means you. Okay, Y-O-U, I'll put it in. Oh, that does kind of make sense. Okay, maybe mm-hmm. that does mean you. But then at a certain point, the game is like, okay, you've seen enough. Here's where we're ready to confirm what you're saying confirm what you think. And in those sequences, you can literally just mix and match symbols until it's right. Oh, gotcha. So you can sort of brute force your way through it at a certain point. You have to get to that section where it clicks over and goes, okay, here's the moment where we think you've seen enough. And so getting to there requires effort. And and so it's not completely brute force. But I kind of wish it let me be wrong more. I kind of wish, and again, 
maybe that just breaks the whole experience and it would be super frustrating and, and you would get too far down the road being wrong and then you'd just be confused. So perhaps the designers know better than I, undoubtedly they do. In the experience, I was like, it kind of doesn't matter if I'm right as long as I'm gleaning meaning, right? It, because there's a moment where, like, for example, I thought the word was uh, something like, um, I thought the word was go and the word was like enter or something. Um, mm. And those have slightly different meanings, right? And I wish instead of correcting me and going, no, it means enter. It just let me continue to think it means go. And I could, because it kind of doesn't matter what exact words I have if I can construct my own version of sure, the yeah. right language, of the, of the right um, um, translation, right? If I, can tra if I translate it slightly wrong but still effective, that would be mind-blowing and cool. Like, I would have a different solution than you if we both played this game but we also both effectively did it and i think that i think that the game doesn't allow for that and i think if it did it would be even cooler with the caveat that i suspect that might also break the game but yeah, i kind of I found like myself wishing it let me do that i see what you're saying but i could see a world where like someone has their translation but then they're failing later on and they just right. quit the game yes so like it's it's a hard one to balance for it sure. is and and the game does an amazing job of being accessible and mm. also feeling impenetrable like when you start on a new tower level and there's just nonsense coming at you and you have no idea what anybody is saying can you just jump in and kill them all? Because that's what I do. I get to the tower. <laughs> I have Creed. no clue what they're saying. And yeah, I just... yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention the combat system in this game is amazing. <laughs> There's no combat. There's no com there is stealth, though. There is forced stealth moments, which can be kind of frustrating. Um, but, you know, the, it, it, it's fun how the game, like, finds little games to play uh, that actually are revealing information. Like, you're playing this game, like... Early on, there's a, a game of kind of hide and seek you're playing with a, a, a little child and you keep finding it and you go, oh, I, he keeps going, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, no, he's saying you found me. Okay, so found was the word. So now mm. find and found are, I understand, you know, and that applies in other areas of the level. So it, it, it uses really interesting techniques to convey meaning but like just like real life would it's a pretty extraordinary game and again in a year of just mind-blowing games i don't know where this fits in the best games of the year but it's certainly unlike anything else i've ever played and remarkable like the fact that somebody went you know what would make a fun game learning a language <laughs> learning a fake language uh and yeah and then they pulled it off and i am completely engaged in it and it's it's wild so chance c-h-a-n-t-s chance of senar s-e-n-n-a-a-r a remarkable achievement i think all right well that was a fun episode. We had a great time. I, I love it when you're here, Trixler. Thank you for being with us, as usual. It's Anytime, awesome. Anytime, man. Uh, tell folks where they can keep up with all the great content you're making online. 
Yeah, sure. This month I'm focusing a lot on scary games, starting up a few more uh, in the coming days. Some indie games, some big ones as well. So you can catch me over at twitch.tv slash Trixler, where I will also probably be starting another wild classic run, despite uh, <laughs> not having the time to do so. <laughs> we go again. So feel free to come on by. I would love to love to see you guys there. So cool. He's a great streamer uh, with uh, incredible skill. So uh, do not Thank sleep you. on Trixler's <laughs> channel. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, I had been too precious with my newsletter. I realized that I was not sending them because I was tweaking the layout and trying to create a cool magazine format for it, and I kept not doing it, as people that are subscribed to it probably realized. Um, I'm trying to be less precious with it. And so I sent... He is half-assing his newsletter from now on. (laughs) I like the approach, though. I'm being less precious about this. (laughs) So... (laughs) Sorry. It's enemy, a great newsletter. Subscribe to Christian's newsletter, people. Come on. The enemy of quality is something. Is <laughs> is me. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah you want to? You're trying to I say? I think that's the statement. I think. I think the famous quote goes: "The enemy of your. Enemy I don't know. Is your Did I spell this right? Click send, I think, is is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. Oops, I sent it too early. The this, this one I just sent ends mid-sentence, but I was like, forget it, it's fine. You know what I mean? I was like, what? Um, I have a newsletter <laughs> where I talk very half-assed about, no. Um, it's very conversational. <laughs> it's very good. It's very, it's, you should it's check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Conversational. And you can find it at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. Now with and less preciousness. Oh, I mean, this, I actually, the one I just sent it. is a in-depth review of Precious, which is like a little awkward to be like, it's actually way more precious, but less preciousness. So it's, it's confusing for everybody. This one was about too many games and if it, too much of a good thing. And I asked questions. There's been some great uh, feedback from folks who read it. I welcome those questions. I read them all. I try to reply to everybody. So it's tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. The cadence is uh uh twice bi-monthly so it's not every day it's bi-monthly i'm going to keep writing committing to write and take the time to do it whereas before what i've become less precious about was like designing it and having this template and all this other stuff and i'm just gonna write send it out get people's thoughts and i hope people dig it and then this show this show that is only quarter-assed. You know, I talk about the newsletter being half-assed, yeah. this very show. Per listener feedback, we are putting up uh, segments on YouTube. You can find us on YouTube at DLC Pod. So not the whole episode, but you can find chunks of it. Um, I believe my hands-on of Alan Wake 2 is one of the chunks we have up there. We have... Ooh. So, like, chunks of game conversations exist there at DLC Pod on YouTube. And then we are on threads and Instagram as DLC hype train and people can hang out there and uh, chit chat away. Yes, indeed. We urge you to do so. Also, uh, you can follow us on uh, you. Christian already told you where you can follow us on socials. You can follow me on socials at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled two N's and one T. I have other shows, including the film cast, talking about movies and TV shows. We're doing some spoopy stuff on Spoopy Season as well. Um, we, uh, we're talking about The Exorcist Believer this week. Uh, check it out. We just did a retrospective on the first uh, Exorcist as well for our uh, our uh, 
content or behind a paywall, the the Patreon content for the film cast. Good stuff. Good fun. Uh, also, I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. I have a sports show called The Fan Controlled Show for Fan Controlled Sports and Entertainment. And a book that's coming out of my collected limericks, uh, which you can pre-order at unbound.com slash books slash best dash summed dash up. Uh, or you just go to unbound.com and you can find it. It's on the main page there. Uh, it's pre- pre-orders now. Uh, it's going to happen. We have hit the funding goal, but you can get your pre-order. You can get a signed copy. Cool stuff. Uh, Congrats. So thank you very much. I'm very proud of it. Um, okay. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Trixler, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Dude, I am going to have maybe a lame one in people's eyes, but it's one that I, like, has been really hard to me lately. Uh, I've picked up cycling lately one i just needed a new way to do cardio and two like i've been wanting to figure out what's around my neighborhood and it's much easier to do that than driving everywhere yeah. so i got a bike and i'm in love with it man i go like three or four times a week i go to a new coffee shop awesome. a new restaurant that's not lame that's gym. amazing i i highly recommend it i i had a friend that used to cycle i don't know if you know him caldor he's a caster and he's yes. always in my ear every day he'd be like you should cycle you would lose weight and i'm like thanks man caldor Appreciate by that. the way ripped <laughs> Just yeah, he is toned, dude. Riffs. Like yeah. he's always thinking about like getting in the best shape, and he loves cycling. So I never really got into it, but you know, he, he was right. Cycling is super fun. Just hop on a bike, take it at your own pace, and you feel good about it afterwards. So highly recommend if you have a bike laying around, just go outside, bike it up a little bit. Couldn't agree with that one more. That is an excellent suggestion. I I've definitely uh, been doing a lot of cycling. The weather's getting colder, but uh, during the summer I was I was doing a lot. So uh, yeah, good stuff. Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? Two, one, which uh, I'll talk more about after I spent more time with it. But friend of the show, Sean Kittleson's Heart Attack, the complete volume just came out. Originally, I think only the first few issues came out. Now it's a collected trade paperback. Finishes this story that I've been on a cliffhanger for for months now. It's uh, an image book, Heart Attack, Sean Kittleson. It's incredible. I haven't read the new stuff yet because I want to like sit down and savor it. But the original stuff, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to have this story finished. So I'm sure I will talk more about it after I've digested the full story. But I can already recommend it. It's available now wherever you get your comic books. The other thing that I've kind of sang the praises of a lot recently are magazines. I've been on a real magazine kick. I think it kind of goes to our conversation about reviews at the beginning of this episode. I think there's something interesting about waiting for print and knowing what that conversation is going to be. And so I subscribe to a few physical magazines, but I also realize they are very expensive. And oftentimes the digital version comes out first. And are you going to wait for the physical or whatever you're going to do? Well, a great option. I think it's best on a tablet, you know, an iPad or a Chrome tablet, if you have one, um, is a magazine subscription through your local library. And I've been using Libby as my app for it. So the magazines that I can't afford to subscribe to, but want to still consume and support in a way is going through my local library and I get the digital version of the magazine. So it's not, you know, the version you'd read online, like the website version of the story. It is the magazine digitized 
delivered to me. I get a notification when the new one's up. I'm like, oh, I have a new New Yorker. And I sit down on my iPad and read through it as if I'm reading the physical magazine. And while I prefer paper in hand, I think it is a great way to do it to support your local library. Publishers, authors love when you use a library to read their works. It supports likely your often, likely, often your local community and its library as well. And it's a fantastic way to read some not often knee-jerk and timely opinions, but some more thought-out prose as well. And I'd highly recommend it. Do they still have Nintendo Power? Is that a thing? I do not know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I do Edge. I subscribe to the physical version of Edge, which I love. It is a gorgeous oh. magazine, and they do a subscription sus, subscriber variant cover every month, too. That is cool. slightly different than the newsstand cover. It is an expensive magazine. If you think you might be interested in it, Library and Libby, read it. It's, it's excellent. Very cool. Uh, I'm just on uh, online here trying to buy Heart Attack. Uh, is there two volumes now? Is that how it is? They did an original release of just the first run. Okay. Um, and then the second one, it came out October 4th, I think is when it, it first, whatever Wednesday I was. I see is one when that's it first volume launched. one. And then I see one that's, I think the complete. Series. It's the complete. You want the complete. It, it's like the yellow background, them on the cover. Embracing. I'll buy that. I'll buy that later. Fantastic. Uh, I, uh, I will outlame you. Trixler, because my parting gift is uh, very trendy and perhaps goofy, but I've fallen in love with it. It's okay. pickleball. Oh, it's so fun, actually. So what, fun. I couldn't hear you. I couldn't hear you over the clacking outside my window. <laughs> Hold on. What did you say? Don't what be. Is it? Don't be that person. Don't be that person. It's not that loud. Is um, that a California thing? Because like that's getting huge out here too. Oh, like, it's it's getting huge everywhere. It seems it's the fastest growing sport I think in the world. It's, it's enjoyable Certainly in America. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I have played a lot of racquetball in my day. I played a, a fair amount of tennis. And I, I think I always kind of thought pickleball was a little, uh, you know, tennis for babies, which yeah, sure. it isn't not that, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it, it is, but it's also super fun. It's basically what if tennis and table tennis had a baby. It's I played a lot of ping pong too in my day. Oh, I love ping pong. And there are a lot of skills that translate from ping pong to pickleball. And so I love it. And my wife, who is currently out of work, um, is, you know, has has taken it up a bit with her friends and playing during the day. And I went and played solo with her, had a great time. And then we played doubles. And oh, my Lord, doubles it's is so fun. much fun. It's a blast. Um, so highly recommend checking out Pickleball. I mean, I'm recommending it just in time for the weather to get too cold to play for most people. But uh, and that's kind of when I've discovered it. I'm discovering it. I'm like, we want to do this. I'm going to play again next week. Um, or this week, I should say, but, uh, you know, it's going to get, it's going to snow here supposedly in like next week. So we're going to maybe not Exciting. be, able to, but I have a friend here in Denver who literally like shovels snow to <laughs> off the court to play pickleball. Uh, maybe I'll be doing that. Um, anyway, it's, it's good fun. And, uh, I, I you know, we're working up a sweat and having a good time. So if you kind of had a, a bit of a, uh, I don't know prejudiced feelings about pickleball like i had in my head you know i just i prejudged it i thought it was maybe a little ridiculous give it a shot give it a chance it's good give it fun. an hour you'll be yes, invested you'll be into it as, it's good fun as someone who's loved crossfit who loves peloton i get it some of these things can be culty and maybe it's like the last of us syndrome it becomes too big and it's annoying yeah but also i think there's a reason why everybody's talking about these things and loving them there's probably something great there. Yeah, <laughs> And I exactly. imagine the same is true. 
Yes, I think that's absolutely accurate. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us uh, at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Max, who says, uh, I'm a longtime listener from Brisbane, Australia, and your podcast has kept me entertained for years during my daily drives to and from work and also through countless hours of yard work on our two-acre property. Cheers. Humble brag there, Max. Humble brag. I love it. Um, I've had tons of recommendation ideas over the years, but I've always been beaten to the punch. So this time I'm getting it in a little early. My parting gift is the show Colin from accounts. I believe it's coming to Paramount plus in the U S on November 9th. It's a wonderfully funny and warm little adult comedy with eight out eight half hour episodes, making it easy to get through without spoiling too much. The premise involves two completely mismatched people and a mishap involving a flashed nipple, a car, and a dog. The show is hilarious, and the entire cast is stellar, <laughs> particularly the lead duo of Patrick Brammel and Harriet Dyer, who are a real-life couple, hence their great chemistry. It's an excellent example of the kinds of comedies Australia does best. If you enjoy this, and you're able to track it down in the States, also check out A Moody Christmas, involving a bunch of performers and creators. A huge thanks for all the engaging and thoughtful creative work you do. It is very uh, appreciated. A bunch of the same performers and creators, not just a bunch of performers and creators. Involving a bunch of the performers and creators. Oh, yes, you're right. Involving a bunch of the performers and creators. Yes, implying that they are the same group. Thank you, Christian, for the correction. Uh, Thank you, Max, for that. I'll be keeping an eye on it. It, Again, not here into the States until November 9th, so a little early for folks listening here in the United States, but keep it on your radar. Write it down. Call in from accounts. I will. That's be. how you get on. That's how you get on parting gifts. You find something that is your locale specific and you send it into the show before it goes. Wild. Like, okay. Okay. I am writing this, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's gotta be <laughs> head of the game. Gotta, gotta get there early. Yeah. That's Max, what, that's Max, what Max said. Up. He said it, it was constantly getting, uh, getting swiped, you know, been getting Knocked sniped. this one out of the park though. Well done. Yeah. Well done. I'm excited to check it out. All right. If you'd like to have your parting gift on the show, send it to us. It doesn't have to be early. It just has to be interesting. Send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Tim trixler Frazier and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those awesome bumpers. Our theme song was comp- composed by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. We have huge thank yous for our patrons who make this show possible without them we wouldn't be here at all promise you so if you'd like to become one and get some cool perks head over to patreon.com slash dlc pod one of those perks the top tier perk hype train level patrons well they get shout outs and we've started doing them a little differently so christian and i are going to create a video game for a couple of hype train patrons right now And Christian, I know you recall, it wasn't even very long ago. It feels like it just came out, uh, the Stephen T. Seifert game. Remember that one? I I feel like it's similar. Remember how I talked about Assassin's Creed Mirage in this game, where in this game, in this episode, and it's like, feels familiar. I remember when Seifert launched, I was like, I feel like I had played a version of it already, and I was trying to wrap my head around what type of game it was and then it hit me it was like oh this is the best version of siphon filter like mm. i love Seifert filter yeah no yes. i remember i remember Seifert filter um yes. steven t Seifert filter yeah it was a a stealth action game 
where uh, your character only wore a plain white tee. It was uh, the 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 tea cipher filter, and I mean, and hey there, Delilah played the whole time, which was oh, like yeah. uh, it was a, a little pick. too much. Let's be it was honest, a little too much. Um, I loved, you know, it, it was in those years after Grand Theft Auto already <laughs> had the like you know licensed track music stuff, but I feel like do like by all means do licensed music, but do more than one, you know, one <laughs> but- song the whole time. That was plain white tees, right? It was Hey Larry the Delilah. I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> but also, you have to remember when this game came out, like it took a lot of processing power to do more than the simple white tee. So it wasn't a fault. Like Max Payne, you know, it was like very basic overcoat and then like this t shirt. So I, I remember sure. playing it and being like, I remember <laughs> well, my was... dad came in when I was playing and it was like, that's a crisp white t shirt. Like that. <laughs> Your yeah. shirts look like crap. They all have like pit stains. Yeah. And I'm like, I try to wash them my best. And they're like, no, they need to look like that. Well, but do you remember there was all that character customization you could do? You could do like the white tee or like the off-white tee or like eggshell tee. Or uh, <laughs> you could you could do like the cream tee. It wasn't really cream. It was more like a, a whitish cream. You know, but, but a lot of character customization. Yeah, I spent hours on it trying to make it look just like me. And every time my dad would say, "Your shirts are all grosser than that," none I of think those were really. You're you're just giving us an anecdote about your life right now, and we're talking about Seifert filter. Hey there, Delilah, slow your roll, okay? Like uh... um, the other game I want to tell you about though is the uh, the Tyler Buckwild Broad game, which um, you know we've had a lot of Broads in game development of late. You know, so many a- Broad lights. So many yeah, broad lights. Broad lights. Just, uh, but Buck Wild, uh, which, which I remember first playing in the arcades, because wasn't it a like a, a light gun game where you could you, you you would go Buck Wild and shoot all those uh, deer? Wasn't it one of those hunting games? It was. Hu- I grew up in Texas. People might not know this, but huge. I remember the line like after school, we would all get on our bikes and we would go to the stop and go. And if there wasn't a line out the door to to go play Buck Wild, we were going Buck Wild. You know what I mean? It was oh, like yeah. we can play, and it was we'd have our quarters lined up. They actually had to put a cabinet next to the cabinet so you could quarter up longer. Like <laughs> that's how extended it was. extended cabinets. I think I think they put up a broken primal rage <laughs> next to it, <laughs> just as a quarter holder. It was just, just a quarter a, up a stand for the seems like a really expensive solution to that problem, but well, primal rage broke and they weren't going to fix it. You know what I right, mean? Right. Uh, so it, what are you going to do? Thematically linked buck wild and prime rage. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of a, <laughs> a thematic link there. I get it. I see it. Did you ever get, did you ever like, you know, finish it? Did you ever get to like no. the final? I only got, uh, I only got buck angry. <laughs> I never got buck wild. I only got to, uh, buck mildly agitated i once got buck naked and i got kicked out that's got, not that's not how you play that i don't think well, you, i think you played it wrong someone told me they'd give me another quarter if i took you showed everybody your uh your primal rage is what you did <laughs> I, needed, I needed a quarter up um <laughs> well thank great you game, though. it holds up by the way it holds up yeah, i have so, the mini just like your primal rage <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to uh, Stephen T. Seifert and uh, Tyler Buckwild Broad for being uh, a couple of our stalwart uh, hype train level patrons. 
Uh, if you'd like to have your video game announced uh, at some point on the show, become one over at patreon.com slash pod. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.